We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the season premiere of the We have Rob Dust directly from the World Series we have the coaches, the Miller brothers, Sean Miller, Archie Miller, with us. We're taking your questions, your comments, your thoughts, everything. College basketball is back. What an opening night it was. And we'll start with this. I'll start with you, Archie. Duke, what did they show you in this season opener? Eight point win over the Wildcats. Well, I think just in watching the game tonight, um, you know, they got elite talent, you know, with Paulo and Trevor Keel's uh, additions. Those two guys are, you know, all conference caliber players, maybe the two best players on the floor, uh, not only for Duke, but in the game. And uh, that's that's a big difference uh, in those guys a year ago. The length of Duke. Um, wow. On a night where Duke only hits one three-pointer. And on a night where at times the star Power was on the bench. Paolo Pantero dealing with cramps in this game in the second half. And wow, Trevor kills the revelation of the evening. Sean, your takeaways on how Duke was able to get this done. Well, I think anytime that you can be on the stage that they were on this evening and you go one for 13 from the three-point line and have the feeling that you're going to win the game, Almost the entirety, you know, I give Kentucky a lot of credit. They fought hard in the three-point line, Kentucky shooting it well, Duke going one for 13, kind of kept them in it. But, you know, the telling stat, and, and I think especially early in the year, when you can have a free throw differential of 23 free throw attempts to seven, Duke 23, Kentucky seven, that was the difference in tonight's game. And, and I think a lot of it's, was reflective of the difference almost in depth and talent. I thought Duke was the better, the more talented team here tonight. Let's go to the garden. I'll tell you what, it, it's never been better. You guys have both heard this when you're walking off the garden floor. New York State of Mind, Billy Joel, Frank Sinatra with New York, New York. Like, it has never been better to hear those sounds coming from the world's most famous arena where a capacity crowd split the place up tonight. Bob Doster, you are inside the building. Your biggest takeaway of Duke, Kentucky is? Paolo Bancaro is a monster. I was so impressed with what he did 
tonight. It wasn't just the stuff offensively. I mean, you're going to see the numbers. What did he end up with, like 23 and 8, something like that? But it was the stuff he was able to do defensively. He was switching. He was able to move his feet on the perimeter. There were a couple possessions where he was sliding and keeping uh, perimeter players in front. And to me, that's kind of what the difference maker is going to end up being for Duke, right? If they're going to play big, there's going to be situations where you got to have Hollow Bank Arrow guarding fours, guarding wings. And if he can create those mismatches offensively while also taking away the defensive end of the floor, I just, that's that's a difference maker. And, and, and look, we mentioned this off air. What really stood out to me was when Duke was able to make their run, when they had Mark Williams on the bench, when they had Wendell Moore on the bench, and when they had Paolo on the bench with the Grams. If they're pulling away when their three best players aren't on the floor, and maybe that's not their three best players. Trevor was awesome tonight, but that was my biggest takeaway. Duke looked really good for yeah, I see you nodding, Sean. Uh, the length of Duke and and to see Ben Carroll and Keels do that. Uh, speak to when you're making that debut and being a coach on the sideline. What's the the balance of hey, you know what you recruited versus it's the very first game and there's a new speed level on a night where these two freshmen they handled it with ease. They really did. You know, most nights that Duke plays, they'll not only have the best player on the court in Van Caro, but Keels was really impressive. I mean, it was almost like a one-two punch. Those two guys, uh, in my mind, were the two best players on the court. And to your point, uh, very few college teams have one guy at the five as long and as talented as, as Williams is, right, on Duke's, on Duke's side. But the combination of John and Williams for 40 minutes, protecting the basket, having that ferocious size, what it's going to do for Duke is they're just going to be very difficult to work. They're going to be able to pressure. They're going to be able to make up for players getting beat off the dribble because they have not only one rim protector, but they have a couple. And, again, they're going to have – maybe almost every game, the two best players on the court on their team. Can I ask you guys something, Sean and Arch? Did you see this coming from Trevor Keels? I mean, you guys were out on the recruiting trail when he was coming up. Did, did you expect this out of him? Because I you know from, from my perspective, he's been doing that since he's been in 10th grade. His size and his body has always allowed him to, to play that physical offensive scoring style, even when he was younger. He's more streamlined now a little bit, probably strength and conditioning program a little bit, but he's always been a bona fide uh, score. He comes out of great high school program, great AAU program, he's battle tested. And you could tell that the uh, stage wasn't too bright for him the night he was ready to go. They got him on the Jeff Goodman keto diet. Is that what it was? I think so. <laughs> I think so. They, they may need to get a, a few few more water bottles before the game. Those cramps were, were kicking in pretty good on them their uh, second half. Yeah, and, and don't be generous. Goodman ate a slice of bread at a New York Italian restaurant last night. Uh, we just he broke it. down. Way to get him, John. He broke down. He broke he broke down. You know, speaking of which, I have to ask this question because Sean, your brother said this earlier uh, in public. He talked about uh, well, I think you got him a number of times in the backyard growing up. And I'm sure you've gotten him over the years, uh, but now you got a little bit of age, and we understand you're having some back issues. Yeah, no. When you're when you're fat and crazy, it's not good for your back. <laughs> and guess what? It, it took to year 53 to get me. But yeah, no, I officially now 
have a bad back. I wouldn't mess with our arches like 6% body fat. You know, when you don't have a job, you can go one of two ways, right? You could be the guy who works out three times a day and, and only eats, you know, nuts and vegetables. That's arch. Or you can kind of be me that that experiments a little bit of everything, you know. <laughs> That's right here. Let's Amen. make up. Let's make up the left side of an offensive line. Yeah, no doubt. Well, <laughs> hopefully, I can move more towards the tight end here. I'm I'm working on Arch has been a good influence. Line, line is not good. Line is not good. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you were talking about Ben Ben Carroll, and and I had a chance to watch him play quite a bit. You know, being that he's from Seattle, and you know. He also, he shows up physically as an amazing athlete, basketball player, but he has a maturity about him that the great ones do. You know, he's a champion. It just seems like the teams that he plays on, they win. And tonight, even though that's game one, hard to believe of his college career, he showed up in Madison Square Garden as the best player in the game, you know, him and Keels. But it's almost like they expected to win and you could see that that confidence and maturity that you don't oftentimes see in an 18, 19 year old freshman, regardless of how talented he is. He has that added dimension that I think will serve Duke really well here in Coach K's last year. Yeah. And, and in Coach K's last year, that, that dynamic, it's only human nature, guys. Coach K goes out to center court at halftime of the first game between Michigan State and Kansas. There's a big ceremony. They've got the plaque. He's getting mobbed. You know, the, the capacity of these freshmen to be able to step up on this stage, it felt like that type of a win, a win for their coach to start off his final ride in fashion. And I think on the other side here, and Archie, I, I want to bring you in here on this point, like the first night of the season. Well, is this a coach's biggest you know, like, like what are, are you having trouble sleeping the night before that first game, just because everybody's like waiting for that 40 minutes to make all their, their thoughts, all their judgments on your team. Well, I think, you know, the, the opening of the season, there's a lot of anticipation, you know, surrounding, you know, everybody on your team, your incoming recruits, um, your own team hasn't really experienced only five guys playing for real. You know, you've either been an exhibition game or scrimmage setting. A lot of guys have gotten minutes. In a game like that in Madison Square Garden tonight, and you're playing for all the marbles, um, there's some nerves, there's some anxiety, but not just for the coaches, the players. So it's a tough game. Um, your opener's always a little bit tricky. Here's the thing I'll tell you, though. The Champions Classic is a great event for those four teams and programs. Think about it. It's the opening night of college basketball. You're in Madison Square Garden. It, it is a big night. Coaches learn a ton from the single game that they're going to play in tonight's game. If you win, the confidence that you, you leave the arena with, but also learning great lessons, you know, it seems to stay with you throughout, I think, the rest of the non-conference season. The two teams that lose, you're going to lose to one of the top seeds in this year's NCAA tournament on a neutral court. Not only is that going to not hurt you, it's actually going to help you come March. And guess what? You're going to learn even more because you'll have your team's undivided attention. All right. Before I get back to Rob here with the thoughts on Kentucky, I got to follow up with this question for either of you. I don't know if it's at Arizona or Xavier or for Archie at Indiana or at Dayton. The opening night game 
in which you had to do what Chris Holtman did tonight. We're going to get to that later in the show where we found a way. <laughs> do you have an example? Yeah, I mean, when I was at Dayton in the year that we went to the Elite Eight, we opened the season up um, with Indiana, Fort Wayne at the time, and we were dead to rights. Um, we fouled up three. It didn't work. The whole deal went down, and they took the ball out of bounds full court, threw the ball to half court to get it in. We were pressing. We had a deflected ball, landed in Kyle Davis's hand. He took a dribble, snapped the pass to Jordan Seibert, and he made a three-pointer at the buzzer, and we won. No one remembers what happened in the game now, five, six, seven years later. They just know we beat that team on the opening night. But I will tell you, it was one of the more improbable home openers. Um, in the opening game of the season, man, you're always just trying to get a win to get it out of the way. But when you're in a battle like Ohio State and Akron tonight, which was an impossible game for Ohio State anyway, regardless of when they played the game, just because of the dynamics around it. But uh, to be in that type of situation on your on your on your first game of the night to win it. It definitely is one of those feel good moments. Like, thank God we pulled it off. Uh, yeah. But let me tell you this. Number one rule with season opener, just play someone that you can kill. yourself <laughs> 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 the most room for error and you don't have to deal with that feeling. Uh, that's rule number one. <laughs> you know, the one time that we didn't take that approach at Arizona, we played uh, Tom Izzo and Michigan state in the, Battle of Pearl Harbor. It, it felt like the Champions Classic. I think it was uh, Kansas, Indiana, Michigan State, Arizona. And sure enough, we, we won on a buzzer shot. But, you know, I, I think that that confidence of winning. Now, Akron, the team that Ohio State played, that will also be an amazing, very important win for Ohio State. It might not feel that way on paper, but I think as you keep following Akron and John Gross, they'll be the max best team. And traditionally the max best team, you know, they're not a 16 seed. They're more of a 13 seed. Uh, we caught Buffalo a few years ago and they felt like a five seed. Uh, and, and I really believe this. If you look at, at that game tonight, Akron, Ohio state, it was close for a reason. Yeah, and the one thing that I would say about that too, is, is we learned something about the freshman that Ohio state has. And I'm sorry to go off on a tangent, Phantom, but I, I feel like I just wanted to touch on this that um, Holtman went to uh, Malachi Branham is yeah. that's his name right that down the yep. stretch like four or five straight possessions when the game was on the line and yeah. the, the kid came through you know he had to pass down to uh, to ZK for the game winner he had a bucket um, the possession before he got to the rim missed the shot but it created the offensive rebound for Zed uh, the possession before the game winner and to me when you learn that you have a kid that is a freshman in his first game that could step up and make those plays in that moment, like that's, that matters, right? You, you talked about you learned something from your teams. I think Chris Holtman learned something about the kid that he's got there, that freshman. He did. And Malachi is an Ohio kid. He was a really big recruit for those guys. And um, you could tell as the game started to move on, Ohio state needed somebody in that game to start to make some plays, to break them down a little bit, create some pressure, you know, in terms of driving the ball and, that's what Malachi can do. He's a big, strong guard, a lot like Trevor Keels in terms of his body. He's got really long arms. But he made some really key plays down the stretch, and I think moving forward, probably like you said, Chris Holtman's got a guy that he's probably going to move into a much different primary role on offense as they continue to move forward. And tonight we learned about someone on the all-name college basketball team for John Gross's Akron Zips, and that is their leading scorer tonight, Ali Ali. 
<laughs> good. He, he was, big, he was big unbelievable. <laughs> he, he, he was unbelievable. You know, guys, this, this brings up the, the next point. Like earlier tonight, and, and Sean, I'll have you react to this. Someone asked Bill Self, Coach, you went 11 deep, uh, you know, and, and you went small in the second half. Uh, how much just going small, like that's the way you're going to be. And Bill Self goes, I don't know what the hell I'm going to do in our next game. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not at this level of like, oh, what I did tonight is now who I am, right? Amen. Yeah. And, and to my comments earlier, Kansas leaves Madison Square Garden with a huge win. He learns that much more about their team. If you follow their schedule, now they have three or four games in about a 14-day window in which they can practice, stay in Lawrence, Kansas. They're going to be the heavy favorites in those home games, and, and that'll spur them into early December. But watching Kansas, watching Duke tonight, not to take anything away from Kentucky's you know, great effort, I, I think Kentucky's going to be obviously not only much improved from a year ago, but an excellent team. Michigan State, as we all know, they get better as the season goes on. But Duke and Kansas really stood out. You know, going, shifting to that game, um, Kansas's depth was, was also very impressive, like Duke's. You know, they had guys that made plays throughout. And uh, Remy Martin, who I'm very familiar with, you know, what he did tonight, that, that's kind of like his M.O. He has gone scoreless or had quiet first halves throughout his career at Arizona State. He had zero points in tonight's game. He ends up with 15 points in the second half. You know, 15 points in the second half, it's pretty hard to do, especially against Michigan State. But he has that explosiveness scoring. And if you think about Dotson a couple of years ago, when he was at his best, Kansas had, I think, a team that could have won the national championship. Remy Martin's ability to score in bunches, score at the rim, um, I think Bill Self has always been excellent with that type of guard. And I think Remy Martin will continue to develop uh, with Kansas's system. Do you guys think that he can be that, that kind of uh, distributor, the guy that sets the table for everybody on Kansas? Because that, that's always been my biggest concern ever since he, uh, he, he committed to Kansas. I, I don't know if he can do it, but th there were times what I thought was really impressive, and I'm sorry I'm going to cut you off, is just that he – he kind of let the game come to him, right? And that's the, the point that yeah. you were kind of making a little bit, Sean. And then at, at, once they needed a bucket, he, he was able to make a couple plays on the stretch. He had that one shot, the, um, the that long two right before the shot yeah. clock went off. So it's yeah. kind of you get down to you need a basket. He can do that. And I don't know if Kansas has another guy that can do some of the things he could do. Rob, he can drive both coaches crazy. <laughs> he can drive his own coach crazy. And he definitely can drive the other coach crazy. But here's the thing about Remy. In his first three years at Arizona State, he led them to the NCAA tournament. I don't know if another program was decimated more by COVID than ASU was last year. Take that with a grain of salt. And I believe he still led the Pac-12 in scoring. He beat Kansas twice in his career playing for Arizona State. You know, you talk about a guy who doesn't shy from the big moment. He's that type of player. And I think that Kansas will benefit quite a bit throughout the year because the one thing about Bill Self, Remy will drive him a lot less crazy and the other coach more crazy as this deal keeps going. <laughs> you know, I think the line of the night from the garden, like that line that says that wasn't just coach speak and Bill Self is, is great for this. He said, I don't think Remy Martin even realizes today 
just how much being in our system is going to help him. He will. And, you know, he did a great job at ASU. I mean, Bobby Hurley allowed him to grow. And I think that Remy Martin will be the first person to tell you that as his game progressed, the freedom that he was given from day one and as he grew older, it's part of what, what's made him the type of player that he is as now Kansas inherits him. However, some of the things that he'll do with a better cast around him, uh, no doubt playing both sides, gambling less on defense, using his quickness more within a system, it could lead Kansas deep into this year's NCAA tournament. But like I said, for me, watching Duke and watching Kansas, those are two teams they're going to withstand the test of time this season. Keeping in mind, Kansas playing without Jalen Wilson, I mean, that also I thought was really remarkable to think, think about how well they played without him. But their freshman really stepped up um, down the stretch, even late first half when they went on a little surge defensively, made some key plays down the stretch in that first half, and the momentum seemed to carry over. Um, and for the Jayhawks, Ochai, it was his night. Agbaji had the night. Uh, and Terrific I player. could not have been more impressed. And how about this? He told our Jeff Goodman he was this close to leaving for the NBA draft. Yeah, that's the best recruit Kansas got right there. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes retaining a, a player who's in that decision-making mode and allowing him to return to do what he did tonight, career high, 29 points. Um, that's, that's what this is all about, but uh, no question. He, you know, you talk, we talked earlier about the two freshmen at Duke. You know, this is different for Kansas because he's not a freshman, but Abaji was, was a tremendous player tonight. You know, it's interesting about with a guy coming back like that is a lot of times they will be playing to try to make themselves a better NBA prospect as opposed to playing to try to, uh, make themselves better for what their their team is going to ask them to do, right? They're going to play towards the draft. They're going to play to develop to show that they can be a passer or be a shooter or whatever it ends up being. It feels like Abaji just got better at doing what he needed to do for Kansas to win. Is that fair? Am I right on that? Yeah, I mean, it's the most important thing. There's the right reasons to come back and wrong reasons to come back. And you can tell that he's completely in tune with, with how they play. They're so comfortable even with Bodge, it's one thing Kansas has always been so impressive with. They're so comfortable on offense. They're very confident on offense as a group. They move, they cut, they move the ball. And, you know, he played right within the framework. There wasn't a whole lot of crazy, you know, just outlandish individual plays that he made. And he's good. I think the one, the two other things that go with Kansas, they're going to throw the ball inside a lot of unique ways. And David McCormick gives them double figures difficult team to score against and I think that's part of why Ty Ty struggled tonight it wasn't all you know him missing uncontested shots just everything was hard for him tonight it, it really was and he'll settle in like you mentioned Arch as the year goes on and uh and become that great freshman but tonight the night belonged to Duke and Kansas can we talk about the dynamic here I'll go to all three of you on this uh Jeff 
brought this up this morning on the start of our nine-hour marathon. We are well after midnight on the East Coast. I didn't think you guys worked. It's amazing to me. Like, <laughs> here. I mean, when you're a coach, you're like, what do those guys do? And then it's like, damn, now I'm on the other side of it. And this, this shit is harder than the other. other <laughs> you know what's so funny? At least we're finally getting some credit from you guys. That's all I wanted. That's the whole reason I'm doing it. Yeah, but hold on a second. Credit. Hold on, here's the one. Here's the one difference, though, between uh, the people in the press bank and you guys. So I walk in tonight through the garden tunnel. You, you, you guys know that tunnel, the feeling. You're looking around. You're like, this is beautiful. You walk. You see the press bank. You got the Rothstein locked in. You've got Dana O'Neill typing up her story. You've got Rob. He's got his headphones in. He's on a call. Goodman is eating dinner. <laughs> he's like the ceo at this point he kind of comes and goes as he pleases yeah where is he is he sleeping i mean again that that makes sense to me that's what i would uh, that's what i would think you guys no, actually if you guys re- if you guys really want to know where he is one of the janitors came by and said they needed some help cleaning out the toilet so that's what he's doing right now <laughs> and then and then he's eating his dinner and the game starts uh, kansas michigan state starts up he looks at me i'm in my chair he goes can I put this underneath your chair for now? <laughs> he, he put it on you. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Whatever. He, well, I don't know what he was eating. I'm not sure what it was, but yeah, you're looking around. You're like, start a college basketball. Everybody's working on uh, Jeff's enjoying some sort of a, some sort of a meal from inside the world's most famous. <laughs> he enjoys the good life. Yes, that's right. I'll tell you what, um, this champions classic, the second game, what a, what a basketball game. But man, this was a wild night around the sport. I mean, Rob, I'll start with hey, you. Fanda, before, before we move away from the, the Champions Classic, can we just talk a little bit about Ty Ty Washington? Because I thought that he, like, I mean, I'm, it's not really breaking news to say that he struggled. He did not shoot well. I don't have the final box in front of me. I think it was like two for 14 that he was from the floor, something like that. And that Kentucky's not going to be able to win if he's not doing that. Some of the, some of the issues that they have with the front court can be mitigated by the fact that you have all of these shooters and you have all of these guys that can make plays. I thought severe Wheeler was awesome. Uh, very, very, very good in the first mm-hmm. half. But if Ty Ty Washington is not going to be a guy that can go out and get you 17, 18, 19 points with a couple of assists every single night, I, I don't think that Kentucky can be at the level that you need they, they need to be. So um, Art, Sean, you guys have seen this kid play. Like it, it's going to get better, right? This was just, yeah, Harden, I mean, this is a hard game, freshman jitters, right? This is a hard, this is a hard game. You know, if you ever played against Duke, I mean, you know, one of the things as a perimeter guy, I mean, if they're dialed in, they can make it hard on you, even for the best guys. And to be be on that stage, your first college game, the pressure. Um, but you know, he's um, he's going to be an all conference type player for Kentucky, and he's he's young right now, which is fine. But you know, when you talk to the guys at Kentucky, when you think about um, their team, the first name that comes out of a lot of their mouths is Ty Ty. And I think that he's earned that, um, you know, through the work and through the practices and whatnot. So he'll bounce back and he's going to play a big role on their team without question. You know, Rob, Ty Ty, his gift is he can both score and distribute. He, he, there, he's not one or the other. And I think that as time continues to move, as Kentucky grows offensively and they will, Wheeler will be a gift towards Ty Ty because, you know, helping Ty Ty get better looks, they're going to have great spacing because they have some tremendous shooters uh, out on the court. But 
he's going to find Ty Ty. He's going to get him shots at times. He's going to create good looks and Ty Ty can shoot the three point shot. He can score and he can also distribute, you know, tonight, I would say this is more a tribute to Duke's overall athleticism, toughness. I mean, it's not easy on any guard moving forward to score on Duke. And uh, for that to be his first college game is almost unfair. Uh, I, I will, I, I think as you watch him, he'll settle in. And I think Wheeler will be a big help yeah. towards, towards allowing Ty Ty to grow as a player, because there are times when, you know, he doesn't have to have the ball in his hands to, to be effective. I would so, also yeah. add this to Kentucky. And this is a big if CJ Frederick didn't contribute tonight, you know, and, He's not healthy or, or he's slow recovering from the off season and he's a career double figure scorer and he's a career 50% three point shooter. And if he adds to their, to their depth and what they're doing, that's just another added shooter and weapon that they could put on the floor. Who's a college basketball experienced player, two year starter, um, a third year uh, guy redshirted, but they got to get him healthy. And I don't necessarily know that plan or that time he's struggled with injuries over his career, especially, um, you know, with the lower leg, but um, getting him healthy would add another important piece to Kentucky's, you know, run. And maybe it's more towards conference play that he gets, you know, feeling healthy. I don't even think he may even be at contact level in practice, which is probably why he didn't play, but if they can get him back, that would really help as well. Yeah, and another thing we mentioned Duke's defense. Uh, when you can run Keels out there with AJ Griffin, Wendell Moore, Paolo at the four, and Mark Williams at the five, all of a sudden, oh. like that is that's a throwback Duke. We're get, get out. We're gonna press you. That's a good word. That is a that is a throwback Duke lineup defensively. They they have the talent, the size, and the perimeter. And Roach is a pest as well. I mean, I yep. hate to say Roach is a pest. I guess that probably isn't the right <laughs> way to say it, but he's very, very good defensively, um, and he's very quick uh, defensively. But Keels and Wendell Moore, those, that's two of the, you know, high major bodies that you're going to see um, in college. Yeah, they're going to overplay you. That's a good one, man. I tell you what, Roach is a pest. That is honestly, that was completely organic. That was organic. There'll be some folks trying to copy that right there. I mean, that's probably be. I'll probably be getting crushed (laughs) out there for that one. We we got to make that into a T-shirt. That's what it's got to be. I actually really like Jeremy and watching him in high school. He came off the knee. I think he's going to have a really good year for Duke. You know, Rob, defensively, uh, to your point, and in. I guess about five, six years ago, we had a team in Arizona where we had TJ McConnell and Nick Johnson in the backcourt. We had Aaron Gordon, Brandon Ashley, and Caleb Tarzuski. And uh, Brandon Ashley ended up getting hurt. I don't know if you remember, we were 23 and 0. And he got hurt and he was out for the year. But we also had Rondé Hollis Jefferson and Gabe York coming off the bench. But it's just, you know, just like offense, everybody looks at it's easier to coach terrific offensive players. You know, that team we had right there, that was clearly built for defense. I mean, you you just could not get a good shot. And it wasn't necessarily the scheme or the drills. It was it was the, the talent. And when you look at Duke this year, and I'll be interested to watch them continue to develop, they have an amazing ceiling on defense. I mean, with those two shot blockers inside and the perimeter talent, they go nine deep. Um I think that looking at their defense a year ago, where they ended, 
and where it'll be this year, it, it, it will be night and day. And I think moving forward in the ACC, if, if somebody unseats them, um, they better have one heck of an offense. As Rob goes to reading Rainbow uh, from Madison Square Garden, I'm not sure. <laughs> not sure what the hell happened. Hey, this is Field of 68 After Dark. Anything could happen. We do have an upset. Yes, we have an upset alert. It's just come in here. How about this? Oh, no. In the start of the Rashawn Burno era at Northern Illinois, Northern Illinois has taken down Washington. Mm. Uh, what a win for a new wow. coach. Trendon Hankerson for Northern Illinois goes for 28.7 rebounds, three steals as NIU beats Washington 71 to 64. Well, I would tell you, Drew Gladstone's an assistant coach at Northern Illinois. He was with me the last uh, four years at Indiana. He's a terrific uh, young coach, um, but that's a heck of a win for an NIU program to open the season and go all the way to Seattle and play um, that game and win it. But congratulations to my man, Drew, uh, to get the 1-0 on the season. They cut and the power on me, man. They cut the power on me. Oh, that doesn't surprise <laughs> They cut the power on me. MSG maintenance ain't going to take – they're not taking <laughs> anything. No. <laughs> and, and Rashawn Burno was obviously very instrumental at Arizona State uh, with Bobby Hurley. He was his associate head coach and uh, did a great job recruiting and coaching there. You know, his familiarity, that's what you got to worry about with scheduling – but his familiarity in dealing with Washington's zone game one, I'm sure was very helpful to to his team, but two tough losses for the PAC 12 today. And I didn't see all of the scores, but I know Cal lost earlier. UC San Diego and uh, Cal lost UC San Diego and Washington losing to Northern Illinois, you know, a year ago, PAC 12 had a great season. And at the end of the non-conference season, I think as a group, as an as as collection of 12 teams, we had won close to 75% of our non-conference games. And that's an earmark. Remember. I think for every for every every, especially power five conferences, if you can show up playing each other with yeah. 75% win percentage, that's that the magic allows you to have, yep, that allows you to have the most teams in postseason play. And you know, you start losing a couple of these games early. Uh, what that does is that just does instead of getting five teams in, you get four. Instead of getting four teams in, you get three. Or one of those three plays in the first four instead of in another in another seeded game. So, you know, these games all mean something in college basketball. I, I think sometimes the leagues going to twenty as well. The leagues going to twenty. Yeah, it means a lot. Yeah, Pac-12 now going to 20 games, Big Ten's there, ACC's there. That's two less non-conference. So if you do lose a non-conference game, especially a bye game, that puts a lot of heat on your league, you know, as you continue to progress and try to get to the tournament. Well, as we begin as we begin to wrap up here after dark, uh, the garden is uh, all over Bob. They're waiting. For- <laughs> they're yelling at me, man. I, I got, they're I, they're going to do more than yell at you. They're going to do more than yell at you here in a minute. <laughs> oh man, I, I just gotta, I just gotta tell them Fanta's got my back, and maybe I'll be a, okay. That's right. <laughs> Goodman, Goodman should be able to get you access to any room in the garden. Nah, he's probably the one that pulled the plug. He may have. <laughs> he's, he's, he's in bed right. He's in bed right now, or he's eating a Big Mac or something. Uh, yeah, you know, John, I, I think the other thing tonight is just watching the two games on TV. 
it's just amazing and awesome to see the fans back. Yes. Uh, yes. I mean, let me just say this coaching with a mask on with no crowd and having that fake crowd noise. I mean, it was brutal and it was brutal on everybody, the players. I mean, those guys, and you have a lot of players that were playing in tonight's game that have never played in front of a college crowd. Think about what their senior year of high school was like and what it's been like for them. And let's go back to no NCAA tournament. Last year, neither Kentucky nor Duke were in the NCAA tournament. There were no fans. And now this is game one. It has to feel completely different. And uh, it's great to see things really trending in this, in this positive direction. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, tonight, Rob and I are sitting press row. They show Julius Randle. They show R.J. Barrett. They've got Obi Toppin and the Go New York Go song. And you got Duke and Kentucky fans. That is each Duke or Kentucky alum is being brought up. One side of the building's going, the other side of the building's roaring back. Like, here in a Madison Square Garden roar, you guys know it. It's Archie, I think of when you guys played UConn a couple years ago at the Garden. Yeah. You know, there's nothing like an MSG roar. Man, was that refreshing. I will, I will tell you this. There's nothing like a Duke game in MSG. And that's a home game for the Blue Devils. Um, when they play up in the East, whether it's New York City or New Jersey or Philadelphia, I mean, their crowds are incredible up there. Arch, I just need to time. let you know that, that the garden, the garden is owned by the Yukon Huskies. Okay. That, this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is our building. It's the, we, we have three home courts. Okay. This is our building. I just want to let you know, in case you could write that one down. Just so you we play, we played Yukon in there and, and, and uh, I, I felt like Indiana completely smashed the Husky crowd in there that night. <laughs> and Indiana won that game. Yes, we did. Yes, they Indiana did. Won the, Indiana won that game. Rob Doster from the garden, your parting thought of the evening. Uh, I was very, very impressed with Duke. I thought I was going to be impressed with them. I was much more impressed than I thought I was going to be. Uh, the combination of Trevor Keels being able to kind of be that, uh, that initiator offensively and the guy that can put in the ball screen, the guy that they can go make a play. I, I did not, I did not expect that from him. I, I did not think that he was going to end up and come out of here and be the guy that I, I was most impressed with uh, in, in this event. So uh, Duke, Duke is for real. I think that they are, I don't know if we're going to see five teams better than this season. I would agree with that. You know, my thought is Bill Self. You know, how many McDonald's All-Americans are on his roster this year? Or do you guys know? <laughs> so he's just got to coach a normal team now, right? He doesn't get 17. No, but I'm players. telling you, it's very deceptive, Rob. If you look, he doesn't have nearly as many as you think. Yeah. That does, that does not mean that he hasn't coached great players. You know, part of it is he makes – high school, really good players in the college, all Americans, uh, you know, Mark Garrett last year. I mean, if you think about who he was, it's like school. Yeah. But, but Garrett, I mean, he became like a, a guy that any, any team in America would have loved to have had coming out of high school. Uh, he was not, he was a top 100 player. Right. And just watching him continue year after year, being in this event and just coaching the way he coaches. Uh, I have great respect for all four coaches that, that are there tonight, obviously, but I go back to what I said about Bill self being able to coach offense, uh, just his unique style. Obviously he can coach defense too, but uh, I, I love watching his teams play because I think he gets the most out of his team's talent and his, his ability on offense is unmatched. 
And that's what I, that's what I come away with. Yeah. My, my, my big takeaway here from tonight is that, um, uh, Michigan state and Kentucky, although they didn't win the game tonight are much improved and they're both going to have really good seasons, but they both have some holes in them, um, that they're probably going to need to address to get to that next jump. Both have a lot of depth though. So they have a lot of different pieces they can work with throughout the course of the year. And I think both rosters have enough where both teams are going to have terrific seasons. My biggest takeaway tonight is that it felt like a much more normal opening night than last season. (laughs) Teams just being in sync. Sure. You had turnovers, but you actually knew what you were watching. Like it, it felt like last year when the season started that some of these teams had barely been together. And the, the fact was they had not, they had right. next to no time. Like you guys had to feel that tonight. I, I know I did just being inside the building. It felt like Paolo Bancaro. Yeah. He's damn talented, but he actually had a, a lead up to the season to understand what coach K is asking of him. And there were tons of cases on the floor tonight in which you could say, yeah, there's a familiarity factor. And yeah, that some of these teams that have so much in and out in terms of talent, Kentucky looks different, uh, Duke looks different, that not having a normal lead up to last year, that's why those blue blood brands, part of the reason why they were so off kilter uh, for as long as they were, right? Oh my God, no, no, no. Thank you. And, and that is a wrap on the field of 68 after dark. We are done. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I, I, don't get, I don't get a couple minutes. Where, I get where, nothing. Were you, where were you at the club level, getting some free access up there? No, I was, I was working hard. I was listening to the coaches, the players, uh, your boy Cal, who uh, actually, to be honest, was in a much better uh, frame of mind than I thought he'd be after that one. Because think about it. Their best player, Ty Ty Washington, was – Awful, awful, and, and they were still right there. Yeah, he didn't. Play, he didn't play well. Um, he did not. He didn't play well for him. But hey, Jeff, yeah. we dissected this so well. You're so behind with that comment right there. You're just better <laughs> off thanking me and Art for being on the telecast this late. Uh, let's move on. I mean, this late crap. Late. You guys are in Tucson time. You're in Tucson time. It's early. One thing I'll say: I can't believe how hard you guys work. I would think like my perception is, you know, as a coach, you're watching film, you're dealing with everything you don't want to. Those guys are sleeping. I mean, I didn't know I had to work this hard to, to be a member of the media. Come on. Uh, listen, you, you guys, that's because you guys never dealt with the media. That's, that's the difference, right? Fair point. Fair point. Hey, we're all listen, positive tonight. Don't bring any right. negativity. Hey, no negativity. And wait, Tom and Archie, you're you're back in nine hours for Goodman's Morning Show, right? I know. I feel like I feel like we're like back yet. All right, all right. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Doster finish out. Listen, uh, thanks, guys. Uh, Appreciate it being on the first show. Uh, The Miller brothers, nothing better. You you met John Fanon now. Um, He is about as oh, he's the best. He is the best. I mean, Doster, you probably from Cleveland. It should have been a three man show. Let's be honest. Hey, go Browns, be baby. Go Browns, baby. I'm a Clevelander at heart. I, as I told Arch, I had a grandpa, aunt, cousins, all Dayton Flyers that love you, D. 
So uh, gotta love that. Sean, great to meet you. Nice to meet you. The Miller Brothers Podcast. It is coming worldwide all throughout the season for a perspective like no other. They'll be on Field of 68 after dark. Rob, go have Jeff buy you a beer for heaven's sake after all that. After dealing with him all day, he better buy nine. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm Thank John Lista, and uh, we will see you tomorrow night. Uh, different crew, different lineup every night. Feel the 68 after dark will be coming at you. Thanks to Dagan Hughes for producing one hell of a day of content. Follow us at the Feel of 68. For the Miller Bros, Rob Douster, this is JF saying good night. College Hoops is back. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.